You are listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Maurice, good to see you. Yes, I did finally leave the lift. How's the wife? Emma's doing fine, thank you. Ah, the playhouse. So much nicer than the elevator I got stuck in last week. But after preparing for a month, it's great to see the crowds again. The sparkling brass, the ushers in their red dashing suits, the popcorn stand. (laughs) Oh, the milling crowd. Yes, it's another grand season for the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Oh, and I'd better get to my seat. So tonight, we have the Narada Radio Company players lined up. Pete Lutz and his team have been enjoying the luxuries of Halifax this season with so many great recreations. Tonight, in a remake of a Lux Radio Theatre classic broadcast, the Narada Radio Company presents an adaptation of a classic Hitchcock film, the exciting Strangers on a Train. Nope, it begins right now. Greetings all, Pete Lutz here of 63 Audio and the Narada Radio Company. I'm back again to present our third of four Summerstock Playhouse entries for 2019, my adaptation of the Lux Radio Theater's broadcast of Alfred Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train. Like our previous release, this performance was recorded in front of a live audience at Harbor Playhouse, Corpus Christi, Texas, in August 2018. Enjoy, and be sure to catch our fourth entry, another live recording made in the spring of this year. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Welcome back. Looks like nearly everybody came back for Act 3, so I guess that means you liked Acts 1 and 2. Thank you very much. So, what do we have for you now? Uh, Well, it's a psychological thriller from 1951, adapted from the film directed by Alfred Hitchcock, and it's probably the only reason you came today. Both the film and our program are called, as you may know, Strangers on a Train. Hitchcock's film received uh, mixed reviews when it was first released, but time has revealed it to be one of his best. It's number 32 on the American Film Institute's famous list, 100 Years, 100 Films. Now, since this is a radio adaptation, some significant changes had to be made to one or two scenes. So, if you are a fan of the film, um, you may be surprised, but we hope not disappointed. And now, we must give you a warning. There will become, at the, at, uh, close to the end of the program, there will come a very loud pre-recorded sound effect. There will be some warning leading up to it, some other noises leading up to it, if you're paying attention, so pay attention. <laughs> and now let's get this train a rolling. Without further ado, the Narada Radio Company presents Strangers on a Train. Oshaline presents Hollywood. Corporation, makers of Ocheline Motor Fuel, the only motor fuel made from distilled seaweed, bring you the Ocheline Radio Theater, starring the Narada Radio Company in Strangers on a Train. Adapted from the motion picture directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Travel by train, ship, or plane usually puts us in the mood to be kind to strangers. 
A question which would ordinarily receive a courteous but aloof answer is almost welcome when we are, find ourselves in strange surroundings without the security of friendly conversation. It's a commendable custom, but at times may lead to unexpected and terrifying complications, as our players tonight are about to portray. We'll hear how in a moment, but first, let me remind all of you that Oshaline Motor Fuel gives you more miles per dollar. That's right, because Oshaline is made from the world's most plentiful renewable resource, seaweed. It costs less to produce, and the Faux Patrol Corporation passes those savings directly to you, our customers. And Oshaline is so easy to use, as easy to use as regular petroleum-based fuels. In fact, the only major difference is the smell. <laughs> yes, yes, Oshaline smells like cooked seaweed. Ooh. But with the savings you'll get from using it, you'll swear it smells like roses. Ah. <laughs> and now, the curtain rises on Act One of Strangers on a Train. A few moments ago, a northbound train left Washington, D.C. Among the passengers settling down in the club car, are two young men. I beg your pardon? Hmm? Uh, oh. I hate to interrupt your reading, but aren't you Guy Haynes? Oh, that's right. I'm quite a tennis fan. I saw your match last season in South Orange against Faraday. Uh, well, that was one of my lucky days. I certainly admire people who do things. By the way, my name is Anthony, Bruno Anthony. Uh, how do you do? Well, I guess you want to get back to your book. You go ahead and read. Thanks. You know, it must be pretty exciting to be so important. Oh, a tennis player isn't so important. Oh, but people who do things are important. Now me, I, I never seem to do anything. I suppose you're going to Southampton for the doubles, hmm? Uh, you certainly read the sports page, don't you? I wish I could be there to watch you, but I've got to be back in Washington tomorrow. Cigarette? No, I'm not now, thanks. Uh, you don't happen to have a match. Here. Oh, oh, a lighter. Thank you. Oh my, that's elegant. It's engraved too. From A to G. I bet I can guess who A is. Anne, Anne Morton. Now, wait a minute. Oh, it's simple. See, sometimes I turn the sports page and look at the society section. Pictures, too. She's very beautiful, Senator Morton's daughter. You're quite a reader, Mr. Anthony. Yes, I am. You ask me anything, I've got the answer. Even about people I, I don't even know. Like, uh, like who would like to marry whom when his wife gets a divorce? Maybe you read too much. Well, there I go again. I meet somebody I like and admire, and I say the wrong thing. Oh, forget it. I, I guess I'm just a little jittery. Oh, well, there's a cure for that. Uh, waiter, scotch and plain water, please. A pair. Doubles. <laughs> That's the only kind of doubles I play. Uh, I'm afraid you'll have to drink both of them yourself. And I can do it. Uh, when's the wedding? What? Oh, you and Ann Morton. The wedding. It was in the papers. Oh, well, it shouldn't have been unless they've legalized bigamy overnight. Ah, I've got a theory about that. I'd like to tell you about it sometime. You know, it's wonderful having your company all the way to New York. As a matter of fact, I'm getting off at Metcalf. Metcalf? Who'd want to stop at Metcalf? It's my hometown. Oh. Oh, I get it. A little chat with your wife about the divorce. Well, here's luck, Mr. Haynes. Drink up, then we'll have lunch sent to my compartment. Uh, thanks very much, but I think I'll go to the dining car. Oh, that's filled up. There's no seats for about 20 minutes. Well, how about lunch in my compartment? Oh, I wouldn't think of that. Come along, Mr. Haynes. You know, this is a real pleasure. And all told, I went to three different colleges. I got kicked out each time, drinking and gambling. Not like you, huh, guy? All right, so I'm a bum. Uh, who said you were? Well, my father. He hates me. With all the money he's got, he thinks I ought to punch a time clock somewhere and work my way up selling paint or something. Well, I think he's possibly... I hate him, too. I tell you, I get so sore at him sometimes, I, I, I want to kill him. You know, I don't think you know what you want. Well, I want to do something, and everything. You know, I've got a theory you should do everything before you die. 
Have you ever driven a car blindfolded at 150 miles per hour? No, not lately. Well, I did. Flew a jet plane, too. Man, what a thrill. Almost blew the sawdust out of my head. Say, what are you trying to prove? Well, I'm not like you, guy. You're lucky. You're smart. First of all, you're a wonderful tennis player. On top of that, you've got a swell job. Assistant to a United States Senator. And on top of that, you're going to marry the boss's daughter. Makes a nice shortcut to a career, doesn't it? Uh, marrying the senator's daughter's got nothing to do with it. All right, take it easy, guy. I'm your friend, remember? I like you. I'd do anything for you. Look, we'll be stopping soon, and I've got to change trains. Oh, yes, that's right. Metcalf. What did you say her name was? Your wife's? Miriam. Miriam. I suppose she played around a lot, huh? Skip it, Bruno. Okay. Say, want to hear one of my ideas for a perfect murder? <laughs> murder? Look, I may be old-fashioned, but I thought it was still against the law. Well, what's a life or two? Some people are better off dead. Someone like your wife and my father, for instance. Now, let's say that you'd like to get rid of your wife. <laughs> you know, you've got quite a sense of humor, Bruno. No, 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 seriously. Let's say that you had a very good reason to want her dead, but you'd be afraid to kill her. And you know why? You'd be caught. What would trip you up? The motive. Now, here's my idea. I'm afraid I don't have time to listen. Oh, it's so simple, too. Two fellows meet, accidentally, like you and me here on the train. No connection between them at all. They never even saw each other before. But now, each one has somebody that he'd like to get rid of. So they, uh, swap murders. Swap murders? Each fellow does the other fellow's murder. There's nothing to connect them. Each one has murdered a total stranger. Like, you do my murder and I do yours. We're coming into my station. For example, your wife and my father, Chris Cross. What? Yes, we do talk the same language, don't we? Yeah, thanks for lunch, Bruno. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Think my theory's okay, huh, guy? You like it? <laughs> sure, sure. Got some great ideas. Nice meeting. Good luck at Southampton, guy. Bet I got some great... <gasps> oh, guy! Your lighter! You forgot your cigarette lighter! Huh. From A to G. I'll send it to him sometime. Yes, I must send it to him sometime. I hope you don't mind meeting in the park, Guy. <laughs> no, Miriam, no. This is fine. I couldn't very well meet you in the store, could I? I arranged to take my lunch hour later. You're looking well, Miriam. <laughs> so are you. You got a nice tan playing tennis with all your rich friends. When can we see your lawyer? What's your hurry, Guy? My hurry? You're the one who's in a hurry, aren't you? When you wouldn't give me the divorce right away, I sort of hoped it was because you were a little bit jealous. <laughs> I got over being jealous a long time ago, Miriam. You know, I think you're handsomer than ever. You know, I think it's pretty late to start flirting with a discarded husband. Now let's see your lawyer and get this over with. Did you bring the money? Lawyers are expensive. Here. Thanks. You know, if I'd have known that you'd start doing so well, I wouldn't have run out on you. What are you trying to say, Miriam? I got a big surprise for you. I'm not getting a divorce. But that's what you've wanted. That's all you've been harping about for more than a year. It's a woman's privilege to change her mind. Now I can buy some pretty clothes. I wouldn't want you to be ashamed of me in Washington. Uh, what's that supposed to mean? Don't look so mad, guy. You always smile when you have your picture taken for the newspapers. Especially when Ann Morton's hanging on your arm. Let's not talk about Ann Morton. Well, you can throw all your little dreams about her right in the ash can. It'd make a real pretty story, wouldn't it? The senator's daughter all involved with a married man. Oh, what's happened, Miriam? Your boyfriend run out on you? No man runs out on me, Guy. Not even you. Just get one thing straight. I never want to see or hear of you again. I could be very pathetic in a courtroom, Guy. The poor, deserted little wife. Better think it over, honey. I'm warning you, Miriam. Either we go ahead with the divorce or I'll... I wish I had the time to listen to you, Guy, but I've got to get back to work. I'll see you in Washington in two weeks. Hello? Hello, operator? I have your party now, sir. Go ahead, please. Hello? Guy, is that you? Anne? Hello, darling. Where are you? I'm in Metcalf. Oh. Then you've seen Miriam. Guy, did, did everything go all right? No. 
Everything went all wrong. She, she doesn't want the divorce. Guy, it's... it's unbelievable. I mean, after all these months. But what did she say? Does it make any difference what she said? <sighs> I'm sorry. It's just that I feel so... Yes, darling. I know how you feel. But you sound so savage, Guy. Oh, I'd like to break her neck. I'd like to break her foul, useless little neck. Oh, there's no use talking like that, dear. I know. I suppose I'd try to see her again, but I've got to go to Southampton. My train will be here in a moment. Then write me. Please, write me. Sure, I'll, I'll write you on the train. And don't worry, darling. We've waited this long. We can wait a little longer. I don't know what I'd do without you. I love you, Guy. Well, I've got to rush, dear. My train's coming. I'll see you on Thursday? Uh, yeah, sure. Good luck, darling. Hello? Guy, this is Bruno. How are you, Guy? Who? Uh, who'd you say this was? Bruno. Bruno Antony. Don't you remember? On the train. Oh. Oh, yes. I would have called you sooner, but the operator had a little trouble finding you in Southampton. Uh, look, would you mind telling me why you're phoning? How are the matches going, Guy? I don't play until the morning. Oh. Now, Guy, about your visit in Metcalf, are you getting a divorce? Oh, now, wait a minute, Bruno. She wouldn't give it to you, right? Miriam won't give you a divorce? No. She double-crossed you. You gonna see her again? Now, look, Bruno, why don't you just... I... Well, I told you I liked you, Guy. I'm your friend. You should never forget that. You just leave Miriam to me. What are you talking about? You'll find out, Guy. Just be patient. That's all. You just be patient. I don't care what Bruno's doing. I said I wanted to talk to him. Well, if you're talking about me, Father, I had to call a friend of mine long distance. Really, Charles, must you always take this tone with Bruno? Oh, it's all right, Mother. I'm used to his tone by now. You can wipe that injured look off your face right now. You were out last night, weren't you? Well, I'm a big boy, Father. I go out at night all the time. You had another accident. You hit another car. Charles, really? Now it's hit and run driving. And you knew about it all the time. But, dear, it was a parked car. No one was in it. Why don't you tell that to the police? Well, they won't do anything to Bruno. This was the last time, Eunice. So help me, I'll never lift a finger for him again. It's all right, Mother. Now, 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 dear. You know I can't stand to see you crying. There anything else you want to say to me, Father? Yes. Get out of my sight. Get out of my sight before I... I'll be back tomorrow, Mother. Bruno, where are you going? Oh, just a little trip, Mother. It's something for a friend of mine. Oh, you just don't understand him, Charles. You just don't understand him. What's he going to do next? Tell me, what's he going to do next? Why, nothing. Nothing at all. He's not normal. If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to have that boy taken care of. If necessary, put under restraint. I'll never permit it. Never. Never. It can't go on, Eunice. Things like this just can't go on. Guy, over here, Guy. Well, hello, Bruno. That's right, Guy. How are you? What are you doing here in, at this time of night? I was waiting for you to get back to Washington. I thought of meeting you at the station, but then I figured this might be better here in front of your apartment. Now, look, it's one o'clock in the morning and I... You don't seem very pleased to see me. Now, would you mind telling me what this is all about? Oh, I, uh, I've just come back from Metcalf, Guy. I brought you a little present. See? You didn't tell me that Miriam wore glasses. You've seen Miriam? Oh, it was very quick, Guy. She wasn't hurt in any way. It was all over in no time. What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> I knew you'd be surprised. Nothing for us to worry about either. Nobody saw me. Only Miriam. I was very careful, Guy. Even when I dropped your cigarette lighter, I went right back and picked it up. Cigarette lighter? Why, you maniac! But, Guy, we planned it on the train together. You wanted it, you remember? Where are you going? Where do you think I'm going? I don't believe you, but I'm going to call the police just the same. Oh, you can't, Guy. We'd both be arrested for murder. You're just as much in it as I am. 
We planned it together, crisscross. Why, you crazy fool. Do you think you can get away with that? Oh, come now, Guy. Why should I go to Metcalf to kill a total stranger unless it was part of a plan and you were in on it? You're the one who benefits, Guy. I didn't even know the girl. If you go to the police now, you'll just be turning yourself in as an accessory, you see? You had the motive. Why, you crazy fool. Ah, uh, you must be tired. I know I am. <laughs> I've had a strenuous evening. Now, I've got to talk to you about my father. I've done my part. Now you'll do yours. Shut up. We have to arrange things. Get away from me before I... Oh, Guy, you're not yourself. Now, when you think things over, you'll see that I'm right. Tomorrow we can talk. I don't know you. I never saw you before, and I never want to see you again. Your lighter guy, the one that Anne gave you, you left it on the train. Don't you even miss it? Give it to me, Bruno. Give me that lighter. I don't have it, Guy. That is, I don't have it with me. <laughs> well, as I said, we can arrange everything tomorrow. Hello? Anne? Oh, I'm sorry, darling, but I just got in. Of course I'm all right, but you sound upset. Anything wrong? All right, darling. Yes, I'll come over right away. Thanks for coming over, darling. Anne, Anne, what is it? You're trembling. I wonder if you know how much I love you. Come along, guy. Father and Barbara are there. They're waiting in the library. I thought we might be alone, guy. But Anne insisted, and so did Barbara. Now really, Daddy, if I'm going to be Guy's sister-in-law, the least I can do is, is stay... sit down and keep quiet. Guy, we, we wouldn't have called you at this hour if it weren't important. It, it's about your wife. Miriam, what about her, sir? I'm sorry to be the one to tell you. She's been killed, murdered. The police have been trying to locate you everywhere. You're to call the headquarters in Medcalf. <sighs> Miriam murdered. Tonight, about nine o'clock, she she was strangled. In a few moments, we'll return with Act Two of Strangers on a Train. But now. deserted stretch of beach on the Gulf Coast, washed up on this and so many other beaches every year, are tons and tons of seaweed. For centuries, nobody knew what to do with it all, but then smart scientists like me... And me. ...decided to make this renewable resource into a high-octane motor fuel. And that's how Oceanine was born. When you pull in at the pump at your local Oshaline station, you'll always find three high-quality choices for your motoring needs. Regular Oshaline, the longtime favorite with everyday motorists. Oshaline with Kelpinate, the miracle additive to give you more miles per dollar. And high-octane Sargasso with both Kelpinate and Saladine for a cleaner engine and better efficiency. Ask your Oshaline dealer for advice on which of the three is better for your car. When you stop at Oshaline, you go with conviction. Manufactured by the Full Patrol Corporation. <laughs> Two of Strangers on a Train, starring Christian Ferris as Guy Haynes, Phil Boyd Studge as Bruno Antony, and Diana De Hoyos as Anne Morton. Twenty minutes ago, on a street corner, Guy Haynes listened to Bruno Antony tell an incredible story of how he had murdered Guy's wife. And now, in Senator Morton's home, Guy learns that Bruno's fantastic report is completely true. It happened in an amusement park, Guy. Some sort of lover's lane, I believe. Terrible. Apparently, she'd gone there with some other people. Two of the young men found her. 
It, it was done by someone else. They don't even have a suspect, Guy. Except you, probably. Barbara, I wish you'd keep quiet. But the police will say that Guy wanted Miriam out of the way so he could marry Anne. She's right, Senator. But if you have an alibi, you have nothing to worry about. You can tell them where you were about 9 o'clock tonight. Well, I was on my way here. I was on the train. Well, there you go. Who saw you? Did you speak to anyone? You need a witness. Why, yes, yes, I did speak to someone. He was the only other passenger in the club car. Someone you know? Uh, no, no. He said his name was Collier or Collins or something. Said he was a professor at Delaware Tech. He'd been drinking. Drinking? Yeah, he'd been to some meeting, had a couple of drinks. But he was on the train. He saw you. Then everything's all right. You'll still have to answer some questions. It's a dreadful business. Dreadful. Poor, unfortunate girl. Miriam was rotten. She was a human being. Father, it's getting late and Guy looks so tired. Uh, of course. Well, you two, now you can get married right away. Think of it. You're free. You won't forget to phone the police in Medcalf, Guy. Captain Turley. Yes, sir. Good night, Senator. Good night, Barbara. I still think it would be wonderful to have a man love you so much and kill for you. You know, I kept saying over and over again I was being silly, Guy. But there was one horrible moment tonight when the news came through. I, I kept remembering what you said on the phone from Metcalf after you'd seen her. That I could break her neck? No, no. Don't even say it. Forget you ever said it. And there was something even more terrifying than the murder itself. The horrible thought that if you had anything to do with it, we'd... Anything to do with it? We'd have to be separated. Perhaps forever. I... I couldn't stand that guy. I couldn't bear it. Anne, Anne, you don't think that I... Oh, no, darling. No, of course not. Just hold me, guy. Just hold me. I'm Captain Turley, Mr. Haynes. It's good of you to come down here so quickly. Well, I'm just as anxious as you are, Captain. Well, we've managed to locate the gentleman you spoke with on the train. Well, Professor, this is Mr. Haynes. Well, I can't tell you how foolish I feel, Captain. I really don't remember meeting this gentleman. You don't remember me, but you... you... Just a moment, Mr. Haynes. Unfortunately, I remember very little of my trip. You see, we had a little celebration. I'm not a drinking man, and, well, just one or two drinks, and I... But we weren't sitting opposite each other. You were going over some speech about calculus and mathematics or something. Uh, I'm very sorry, Mr. Haynes. <laughs> I certainly must have been celebrating. If you'll wait outside, Professor. Yes, yes, of course. Is it so important whether he remembers me or not? Surely the important thing is that I've been able to name a man who was on the train with me. Now you've been able to find him. Isn't that proof of where I was last night? Yes, I'd say you were in the clear, but uh, there's a little more checking I'd like to do. But if I'm in the clear... Take it easy, Mr. Haynes. You're free to go back to Washington right now. Thank you, Captain. father and said he could go. Isn't that about it, dear? <laughs> Except that when an alibi is full of scotch, it casts a little doubt. Then the professor was boiled. Uh, he didn't remember me. Ah, the police are just being thorough. What's well, your next move, guy? Well, whatever it is, the police will know about it. Take a look out the window. My guardian angel. Why, why, guy, you're being tailed. That's Detective Leslie Hennessy. He works 16 hours a day. Someone named Hammond takes over for the next eight. As a matter of fact, Hennessy seems like a pretty nice fella. For your own peace of mind, guy. Perhaps, well, perhaps if you worked here at the house for the next few days, well, it would be less embarrassing for you. It'd be less embarrassing for you, sir, if I resigned as your assistant. That's ridiculous. Uh, of course it is. Besides, don't you have to play in the tennis tournament? Uh, I'm withdrawing. But wouldn't it look awkward if you suddenly canceled all your plans? Father's right, Guy. You've got to go on as though nothing had happened. Escorted by Mr. Hennessy. I beg your pardon. What is it, Bessie? Telephone for Mr. Haynes, miss. They say it's urgent. 
Oh, you can take it right there, guy. Hmm? Oh, oh, yeah. Hello? Hello, Guy. This is Bruno. I was hoping you'd call me before I had the chance to... What's the matter? Uh, it must have been some mistake. It, it wasn't for me. so interested in paintings. Well, I feel a very warm attachment for this art gallery. For the first time all week, we've actually been alone for an hour. <laughs> By the way, where's Hennessy? Waiting out front. Hadn't we better be leaving? I suppose so. I wonder if we'll ever... Guy, have a minute, Guy? Uh, come on, we'll find Hennessy and get a cab. But that man, he... He's calling you, Guy. Oh, uh, excuse me, dear. I'll see what he wants. Sorry to have to follow you here, guy. Will you stop pestering me? You never even answered my note. For the last time, Bruno. You're spoiling everything. You're making me come out in the open. Why didn't you call me? My father's leaving for Florida next week. There's not much time. There's a detective outside. He'll see us together. Isn't that Ann Morton that you're with? <laughs> Slight improvement over Miriam, hey guy? I'm telling you to stay away from me. Who is he, guy? Uh, just some tennis fan. I never saw him before. That's funny. Funny? I mean, I saw him yesterday. Where? He was at the tennis club watching you practice. <clears throat> he was sitting with Mr. and Mrs. Darville. He must be very amusing. He had them in stitches most of the time. Uh, who are the Darvilles? Oh, he's connected with the French Embassy. You'll meet them tomorrow night, darling. They'll be at the party. Oh, yeah. Yes, the party. And do you really think I should be there? But I thought we settled that, dear. Of course you should be there. He's watching this guy. That man. Come along, dear. Let's go home. That young Frenchman, Mr. Darvell. Oh, he's not French, Daddy. They just introduced me to him. His name is Antony, Bruno Antony. Doesn't he look interesting? Oh, why is he looking at you? Daddy, not so loud. He's coming over here. Oh, oh, this is my father, Mr. Antony. Well, I'm delighted to meet you, Senator. Uh, well, uh, how do you do? Oh, it's a wonderful party, sir. You know, sometime I'd like to talk to you about my idea for harnessing the life force. It'll make atomic power look like the horse and buggy. Well, I'm sure. I'm already developing my faculty for seeing millions of miles. Senator, can you imagine being able to smell a flower on the planet Mars? I'd like to have lunch with you someday soon and tell you more about it. I'll see you later, won't I? Uh, that, that, that'll be fine. I'll be later, yes. I still don't remember inviting that young man. I told you, Daddy. The Darvilles just brought him along. Uh, just a minute, Barbara. Where are your glasses? Why, my glasses? You're supposed to wear glasses, Barbara. Oh, but Daddy, even at parties? Not another word. Get your glasses and put them on. <laughs> Guy. If the Darvilles brought him, well, what difference does it make? He shouldn't be here. But you said you don't even know him. Well, I just don't like his looks. I don't like the way he's been staring at Barbara. Well, I'm not sure I blame him. Barbara is very cute, especially when she wears glasses. Besides, he seems to be talking to Judge Donahue right now. Judge Donahue? Oh, no, come on. Let's go to dinner. <laughs> something else that I want to ask you, uh, Judge Donahue. After you sentence the man to the chair, isn't it difficult to go out and eat your dinner after that? Really, young man, when a murder has been convicted, he must be sentenced. When he's been sentenced to death, he must be executed. Oh, quite impersonal, isn't it? Besides, it doesn't happen every day. Yes, so few murderers are caught. 
if you don't mind, I believe I'm being paid. Well, Mr. Anthony, you seem very interested in the subject of murder. Well, no more than anyone else, madam. No more than you, for instance. Me? <laughs> oh, no, I'm not interested in murder. Oh, come now. Everyone's interested. Surely you're not going to tell me there hasn't been a time that you didn't want to dispose of someone? <laughs> Good heavens, no. You mean to tell me there wasn't a tiny moment when you were made very angry? Well, I... What did you say? <laughs> well, there you are, you see? Mm. There you are. Now you've decided to commit a murder. How would you plan to do it? Um, oh, I didn't get your name. Uh, Mrs. Cunningham. Well, Mrs. Cunningham, how will you do it? Um, well, I suppose I'd have to get a gun from somewhere. Oh, no, Mrs. Cunningham. Bang, bang, bang all over the place and blood everywhere. Oh, no. Well, um, how about a little poison? Poison? Yes, yes, that's better, Mrs. Cunningham. But poison could take 10 to 12 weeks. Oh. That is, if you wanted to be careful. Yes. If poor Mr. Cunningham is going to die from natural causes. Oh, well, what's your idea, Mr. Anthony? Well, I have the best way and the best tools. Yes. My two hands. Simple, silent, and it's quick. Why, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you must be very strong, Mr. Anthony. Now, let me show you what I mean. You don't mind if I borrow your neck for a moment, do you? <laughs> that's, that's so silly. Very well, go ahead. Now, you watch what I'm doing. Uh-huh. And when I nod my head, you just try to cry out. Yes. And I'll bet you won't be able to make a sound. I'm ready. <laughs> All right now, just wait till I nod my head. <laughs> She'll be alright, Father. Mrs. Anderson's with her and Judge Donahue. They're up in the bedroom. But, but, Mrs. Cunningham, what happened? Well, How I, could he have choked her? I don't know for sure. Mrs. Anderson thinks they were playing some, some sort of game. Then when Bessie screamed, he, he fainted. Uh, where, where is he, Anne? Where's Anthony? Guy took him into the study. Then tell Guy to get him out here as soon as he can. This is a nice item for the gossips. Well, I'd better get back to my guests. Barbara, what's the matter? It was awful. I saw him. What he was trying to do to her. You saw him? I was standing in the doorway. His hands were on her throat, but he kept staring at me. And he was strangling me. What do you mean? He went into sort of a trance. Oh, it was horrible. He thought he was murdering me. But, but why, Anne? Why me? Don't be silly, dear. You're upset, that's all. Now go find Father. <laughs> Guy, I fainted, didn't I? Started getting so dizzy. You mad, crazy maniac. You ought to be locked up. Will you get out of here now and let me alone? But, Guy, I like you. <sighs> now we've got to talk about my father. You promised to... <gasps> you shouldn't have done that, Guy. You shouldn't have hit me. Maybe that'll knock a little sense into you. Do you have a car here? Yes, it's outside. Down the block. Come on, we'll go out the back way. Guy, did he leave? Anne? I didn't mean to startle you, dear. He has left? Yes. Anne, why did you come out here? I had to talk to you. Yesterday at the art gallery. That wasn't the first time you met Bruno, <laughs> was it? What makes you say that? I don't know. Guy, what did Miriam look like? But I, I've told you. I want you to tell me again. Well, she, she was dark, not too tall, sort of pretty. What else? What else is there? She wore glasses, didn't she? Yes. Barbara wears glasses, too. And Barbara looks something like Miriam, doesn't she? Doesn't she? N no, 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 not at all. How did you get him to do it, Guy? Get him to do it? He killed Miriam, didn't he? Tell me, didn't he? <sighs> yes. 
Yes, he's a maniac. I met him on the train going to Metcalf. He had some crazy scheme about exchanging murders. If I do his murder, he'd do mine. What do you mean, your murder? Well, he'd read about me in the papers. He knew about Miriam and about you. You must have known he was talking nonsense. But he wasn't. And now a lunatic wants me to kill his father. It's too fantastic. You've known about Miriam all this time? Yes. Why don't you call the police? And have them say what you did? How did you get him to do it? If we could only talk to Father or or someone about it. It's no good, Anne. I can't drag anyone else into this. Guy, what are we going to do? I don't know. I don't know. Bruno? Bruno, this is Guy. I've decided to do what you want with your father. Yes, I, I want to get it over with. Detective, oh, don't worry about Hennessy. There's a way out across the roof here to the next apartment. Does anyone know you've come home? Then you'd better go out again and stay out until after daylight. I will be there in 40 minutes. Before we return with Act 3 of Strangers on a Train, let's take a few moments to ask some of our loyal Oceline Motor Fuel customers how they like the new miracle additive, Kelpinate. Kelpinate? That's good stuff, man. <laughs> That's it? Anything else? What do you want, man? It's good. You know, if something's good, it's good. It's so good, I put it on my breakfast cereal, man. Kelpinate? Well, I don't know much about cars, but there's a hill that leads up to my house. And there's a very nice man who lives at the bottom of that hill who used to help me get up that hill. And since I've been using Oshaline with Kelpinate, I haven't had any trouble making it up that hill, so... So thanks a lot, Kelpinate. <laughs> I've been using Oshaline for only a short while. Didn't trust it, huh? Then the wife bought a tank of the stuff by accident. Women, eh? <laughs> and I realized, well, it's not bad at all. And it makes a capital salad dressing. Jolly good. Ask our customers. Oshaline with Kelpinate delivers. The curtain rises on Act 3 of Strangers on a Train, starring the Narada Radio Company. To Guy Haynes, there is only one way out. Now, in the quiet of the night, Guy has entered the Antony home. With the key and the map of the house that Bruno sent him, Guy has no trouble finding Mr. Antony's bedroom. Mr. Antony, Mr. Antony, don't be alarmed. I, I must talk to you about your son, about Bruno, Mr. Antony. Wouldn't you feel more at home with the light on, Guy? Bruno? My father isn't home. I was about to tell you that over the phone, but you made such a sudden decision. I wondered why. Well, I, I thought your father'd be interested to know he has a lunatic son. Then you have no intention of going ahead with our little arrangement? I never had. Bruno, look. You're terribly sick. I don't know much about these things, but why don't you go where you can get some kind of treatment? Not only for your own sake, but you can't go on causing more and more... I don't like to be double-crossed, Guy. I have a murder on my conscience. I killed your wife. But it's not just my murder. It's yours, too, isn't it? I guess it's no use trying to talk to you, Bruno. I'll leave. Yes, that man from the police who's supposed to be watching you. You mustn't let him get suspicious, Guy. You can put that gun away, Bruno. Oh, don't worry. I'm not going to shoot you, Guy. Might disturb my mother. <laughs> I'm a very clever fellow. I'll think of something much better than that. Good night, Guy. Where did he go, Hennessy? Where did Haynes go? 
Now take it easy, Hammond. If I knew where he went, I wouldn't be here for you to relieve me. I didn't even know he gave me the slip until I heard his phone ringing. Well? Phone keeps ringing for ten minutes. Nobody sleeps that sound, so I woke up the janitor to let me in. No Haynes. We'll probably hear of another day moited. Well, I'll go back to the office and put in a call to Metcalf, Captain Turley. I think this calls for more questioning of Mr. Haynes. Questioning? Let's take him in. Now look, you're a good cop, Hammond. But how many times do I gotta tell you? We don't have a thing on Haynes. There's no evidence that he was even in Metcalf when his wife was killed. So we uh, just let him come back here and go to bed, eh? That's right, Hammond. We just waited out. Anthony, please. Bruno Anthony's mother? This is Bruno's mother. I'm Ann Morton, Mrs. Anthony. Senator Morton's daughter. Oh, Miss Morton. Good morning. How nice of you to call. I'd like to see you, Mrs. Anthony, just as quickly as possible. Why, that would be lovely. Do come over, do. Thank you. I'll leave right away. No one knows I've come here, Mrs. Antony, but I simply had to tell you. Oh, Miss Morton, really. I know Bruno's been in some very awkward scrapes, but nothing so ridiculous as a murder. But you have to make him do something about this. Don't you see that just one word from him would get Guy out of a dreadful situation? Well, but how can you take this seriously? It's just some practical joke, dear. Bruno's so terribly irresponsible. Oh, he gets into all sorts of escapades. But you don't seem to understand. Your son's responsible for a woman's death. Did Bruno tell you this? Well, no, of course not. Well, there you are. Well, now, it was very nice of you to call, Miss Morton. Do come and see us again sometime, won't you? I'm afraid Mother wasn't very much help, was she? If you don't mind, I think I'd better leave. Mother hasn't been too well for some time. She's a little, well, how shall I say it? She's confused. You know, I'm very upset with Guy. He shouldn't have sent you. Guy doesn't know I'm here, Mr. Anthony. He's at the tennis club, isn't he? He will be. Oh, yes. He's playing Reynolds this afternoon. It's a very important match. He must be very desperate to try to involve me. Try to involve you? Well, I've been protecting Guy ever since he told me how much he hated his wife. Do you know, Miss Morton, that Guy tried to get me to go back to that amusement park one night after dark and look for a cigarette lighter? What's a cigarette lighter got to do with it? Why, he dropped it there right after he... Well, after that night, you see, all the police are waiting for is one piece of evidence to convict Guy for the murder. I can't tell you how worried I am. Please, stop. Miss Morton, I do sympathize with you, but I just couldn't do what he asks. Why, that would make me an accessory. his house and came straight here to the club guy. You shouldn't have gone there, darling. Well, Bruna told me if the police ever find your lighter there, that's all they need. Something to prove you were there when she was murdered. <sighs> Bruno has my lighter. I know. You told me. That lie about my wanting him to get it back, that means he's going back to Metcalf, back to the amusement park. He's going to drop it there someplace where they'll find it. Oh, Guy, I wanted so to help, but I'm afraid all I did is make things worse. He said last night he'd think of something. Well, give him credit. He certainly has. Well, you've got to get to Metcalf before he does. You haven't time to play. You better tell them now. No, if I try to avoid this match, Hennessy's bound to get suspicious. I haven't been out of his sight all day. Then I'll go. There's a train in an hour. <laughs> You'll stay right here. I'll try to give Hennessy the slip right after the match. But darling, that'll be too late. Didn't Bruno say I wanted him to go there some night after dark? Yes. Well, he won't take a chance in daylight. If I can finish off this match, I'll still have time. All right, guy, you're going in a few minutes. I'll be right out there. Now look, Anne, here's what you've got to do. Get a hold of Barbara and just as soon... 
Now look, Hennessy, if Captain Turley says pick him up a questioning, let's pick him up. Nah, let's let him have his game first. If the boys hear about this, they'll send us orchids. Pick him up. Huh? Oh, uh, how are you, Barbara? Oh, uh, this here is Mr. Hammond. Mr. Hammond, this here is the senator's other daughter. Hi. Oh, yes. I've seen Mr. Hammond outside the house. He's a detective, too. You and he take turns, don't you? Yeah, something like that. But if he's your relief man, why would the two of you be here together? Look, you're a nice kid, Barbara. Now watch him hit the little ball and don't ask him any questions. Again, Hayne. Hayne leads three games to two. I've got it all arranged, Anne. The cab's outside Please waiting take to take Guy to the station. I gave him ten dollars. But what about those two detectives? They're still over there near the dressing rooms, waiting for Guy to finish the match. Gosh, I've never seen Guy play so fast in my life. Well, he's got to get on that train. Barbara, now once again. As soon as the match is over, Guy's going to run out through the clubhouse. Just do your best to delay those detectives from coming All Guy will need is a few seconds. Oh, just leave it to me, Anne. I'm real good at getting in people's way. <sighs> Looks like we're out of luck, Hammond. Haynes beat us to it by about two minutes. The guy says he bought a ticket to Metcalf. What are we waiting for? The train just pulled out. We can still have him flag it down before he... Oh, relax. Let him go to Metcalf. We'll phone Captain Tarly and let him take over at that end. <sighs> that nutty little dame. Uh, Bob is a nice kid. Maybe it was an accident. Pushing you in the fish pond? Just one thing that puzzles me. What's Haynes' big rush to get to Metcalf? What's he going back for? Come on, Hennessy. Let's phone Tarly. They're fresh roasted. They're jumbos. Peanuts, mister? What time does it get dark around here? <laughs> What's the hurry, Jack? Here you are, folks, those fresh roasted peanuts. What time does it get dark, I said? Well, hang around, bud. Hang around. You'll find out. Get them right here, folks. They're always hot. Roasted peanuts. They're sure good in business down there at the end of this park. Are they? All day and night. Ever since that girl got murdered, people want to see the scene of the crime. Oh, uh, where did it happen? Right over there. Them picnic grounds across the lagoon. Lover's Lane. Yes, sir, they sure been cleaning up. Well, I don't think it's a very nice way to make money. Well, these folks gotta eat too, ain't they? For a while, the smoochers wouldn't go near the place. I'm afraid I don't know what a smoocher is. Okay, so I ain't educated. Wait a minute, mister. You got a match? No. Well, you got a lighter. You keep fooling with the lighter in your hand. Uh, uh, no, it, it's just a... Here, buy yourself a box of matches. Huh. Characters. Place is full of characters. Hello, this is Sergeant Adams. I'm phoning from the station. Put Captain Turley on the phone. This is Turley. Uh, Hayes just got off the train, sir. He took a cab. He told the driver to take him to the amusement park. All right, good. Pick up your men and go to the park. I'll take a group from here. We'll be waiting for him. That's all, Adams. Hello, Bruno. I've been looking all over for you. You shouldn't have come here, Guy. This could be very dangerous for you. It'd be more dangerous if I left you here alone, wouldn't it, Bruno? This is where it happened, Guy. 
this is really where it happened. They try to make people believe it happened near the concessions. They figure they'll, they'll make more money that way. I came after my cigarette lighter. I want that lighter, Bruno. Don't be foolish, guy. You're just proving a theory for them. The murderer returning to the scene of his crime. Give it to me. Give it to me before I- Stand where you are, Hayes. Stand where you are. I've got, I got the man you want right here. He stop him. Stop him, he'll get away. Don't make a move, Hayes, or we'll shoot. He's getting away. I can't let him get away. Captain Turley, the roller coaster! They ran towards the roller coaster! All right, just watch your fire. There are too many people here. Keep those people back. All right, back up. Captain Turley, this man here, he says Haynes isn't the one we want. It's the other one, the one who ran away. What do you mean it isn't Haynes? I remembered him. I seen him here that night when the girl was killed. Two young fellows was with her. And this one, he kept following. He kept looking at her. I remember real plain. You realize what you're saying? I was talking to him before. I asked him for a match. It's the same one. All right, you men, surround the area. Over here, Captain. The roller coaster. They're under the roller coaster, under the track. Well, shut it off. Turn off that roller coaster. But it's out of order. She's closed down. Who turned it on? He did. The one was running away. Turn the switch and get the keys. That's one way of keeping us out of there. But the track is being repaired. When those cars come down there, they'll scatter all over the place. All right, find the main switch and turn it off. Stay where you are, guy. Don't come any closer. Where you run to now, Bruno? They're all around here. The police, Bruno. They won't get me. Not alive. That's not for you, Bruno. You're much too clever to use a gun. I'll kill you, and then I'll kill myself. I'll kill you first, and then I'll... I'll climb to the top. I'll jump before they take me alive. You're sick, Bruno. You belong in a hospital. They know about that, but tell them the truth. Tell them. You don't care about me. You don't care what they do to me. Get down from there. The cars are coming. I won't come down. I'll jump before I come down. Bruno. not do it. Bruno, the cars. Look out. Get down from there. No, I won't. Better start talking, Haynes. What's this all about? Well, uh, he he had my cigarette lighter. Came back here tonight to, to plant it, uh, to pin the whole thing on me. Cigarette lighter, huh? Let me talk to him, please. All right, take it easy now. Over here. He's in a pretty bad way, Captain. Uh, can't you lift that stuff off of him? Well, we've done everything we can until the crane comes. <laughs> Hello, guy. Who was that with you? This is Captain Turley, Bruno. Police. Oh, they got you at last, huh, guy? Tell him, Bruno. Tell him you have my lighter. <laughs> but, but I haven't got it, guy. Must still be over there where you <gasps> dropped it that night. He dropped it, huh? Sorry, guy. I want to help you, but I don't know what I can do. Uh, Captain Turley, may I go through his pocket? No, of course you can't. Besides, he says he hasn't got it. But if he dies before he... There's no more if. This man's dead, Captain. His hand. He's got something in his hand. See what it is, Mac. It's a lighter, Captain. A cigarette lighter. Here, let me see that. From A to G. From N to Guy. Well, it looks like you were right, Haynes. I better keep this for a while. How about staying in town overnight? I imagine there's a lot you may want to tell me. Yes, I imagine there is. Captain, may I use the telephone? Sure, go ahead. There's one up near the entrance. Say, who was he, mister? That guy. His name was Bruno Antony, a very clever fellow. Oh, yes, Guy. Yes, darling. Well, of course I'll be there. I'll leave right away. Father? Barbara? Guy is safe, and he's free. Guy? <laughs> 
Uh, yes, dear. That man across the aisle. He... he keeps looking at you. Oh? He's a minister. I... I didn't know you knew any ministers. I beg your pardon, but aren't you a guy, Haynes? <laughs> I'm sorry, sir, but when I was a very little boy, my mother warned me never speak to strangers on a train. Oh. <laughs> we'll return to our Narada Radio Company presentation of Strangers on a Train after this final word from our sponsor, the Fopatrol Corporation, makers of Oshaline Motor Fuel. <laughs> Good afternoon, miss. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Oshaline station. What can I do for you today? Hola. Yes, I need exactly two dollars of Oshaline, por favor. Excuse me, did you say... Si, I said exactly two dollars, please. This is the Oshaline station, yes? Yes, indeedy. We sell only Oshaline with or without kelpinate and Oshaline sargasso with saladine. But why do you want exactly two dollars worth? Because the man on the radio told me that I will get more miles per dollar when I use Oshaline with Kelpone. Today, I plan to drive twice as far as I normally do. <laughs> yes. I see. And I will also need enough Oshaline to get back home. Do you see? Uh, see. I see. <laughs> listening to Strangers on a Train, an adaptation of the motion picture directed by Alfred Hitchcock, and an audio presentation of the Oshaline Radio Theater. Tonight's program was directed by Pete Lutz and starred the Narada Radio Company. It was adapted for live performance from the 1951 Lux Radio Theater broadcast. Our cast featured the following players. Christian Ferris as Guy Haynes, Philboy Studge as Bruno Anthony and the Minister, Katie Lofton as Miriam and Bessie, Diana DeHoyos as Ann Morton, Alan Clower as Bruno's father, Tamara Merson Wren as Bruno's mother, Jean Giggy as Senator Morton, Jackie Ayers as Barbara, Dana Gonzalez as Turley and Hammond, Joe Martinez as the professor, the judge, and the old man. Eileen Corpus as Mrs. Cunningham and Hennessy, Teddy Giggy as the vendor and Sergeant Adams, Jerry Elliff as your host and Officer Mack, with additional voices by Michelle Barnett and Ebony Rose, and your announcer was Jessica Matthews. Music was by Dr. Ross Bernard, and the Oshaline performers were Alan Clower, Eileen Corpus, Diana DeHoyos, Jerry Elliff, Katie Lofton, and Ebony Rose. And now, to close our program, our director, Mr. Pete Lutz. Please, I've had my fill of the applauding. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's presentation was a labor of love for all of us on this stage. Like its forebears on radio a generation or two ago, audio drama is the theater of the imagination, our attempt to create the stories in your minds using only music, sound effects, and our voices. We sincerely hope we succeeded and that you enjoyed our humble effort. And now, good night, and please take home with you the fateful words of film star and icon Marilyn Monroe. It wasn't true that I had nothing on. I had the radio on. Thank you, and good night.
Thanks so much to the Narada Radio Company and Pete Lux for this great thriller, Strangers on a Train. Be with us next week as we welcome back John Bell from Bells in the Bat Free again to the Sonic Summerstock stage with a classic Arch Obler tale. Until then, I'm David Alt. Thank you all and good night. And that's this week's performance for Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. All productions, performances, characters and scripts presented in the Playhouse belong strictly to their copyright holders and no copyright infringement is assumed or intended. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is part of the Sonic Society podcast and Electric Vicuna Productions. Any shows that continue their run must have explicit permission from all parties involved. The Playhouse theme was written and performed by Sharon B. Join us next week at the Playhouse for another classic performance. I'm your announcer, David Alt. Good night. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. You can listen to classical and brand new audio dramas through the Mutual Audio Network. Subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or iHeartRadio today. There's eight different podcasts, one for each day of the week and genre. And the Mutual Audio Network broadcast feed so you don't miss a day of your favorite shows. Subscribe to Mutual Audio tonight. Good night.